and start recording now. Luke, the 18th chapter. I'm preaching the same sermon I preached at first service. Amen. Amen. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And when you have found it, would you rise to your feet as we read the word of God, the scripture lesson this morning, Luke chapter 18. It's trying to keep us awake. Come on in here. Luke 18. You got to do all. That's why preachers do all that. Touch your neighbor. Say this because he don't want y'all to sleep. Amen. Luke 18, 1 through 8. By the way, keep in prayer. My family, we just found out a, a little while ago, those of you who attended Oakwood College, you may know uh, Ruthie Gunn. Ruthie Gunn is my aunt, and she was rushed to the hospital. Um, she went into a coma, and they could not bring her out. And so my thoughts and my prayers are with my family now, and as soon as service is over, we'll call and see uh, what is happening. But please lift up my aunt Ruthie. She is a professor at Oakwood. Please lift her up in prayer, and that I might be able to remain focused as I preach God's word this morning. Would you say amen? Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then Jesus told his disciples, uh, come on everybody, a parable to show them that they should always do what? And not what? Let me pause here. Jesus just told you what he's going to tell you about, so there's no mystery here. There's no element of surprise. You know, most preachers like coming from a back door to trick you. Ain't no trick here. This is the word. What is he going to talk about? The word is simply this, that you should always pray and not give up. That's it. That's what I'm going to talk about today. It's very clear. Verse 2, he said, in a certain town, and as one scholar suggested, when Jesus said in a certain place, he was really talking about a real place, but he did not want to call them out. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Lord, have mercy. How many know you're in trouble if you run into somebody like that? Huh? Said he didn't care about God or people. And I want to make this point very clearly right now that one way you can tell that you don't fear God is how you treat people. Verse 3 says, there was a widow, second character. First, we got a judge that's unconverted and don't even care about people. And now we got a widow, a widow, a widow. There was a widow in that town. And what did she do, everybody? Ah, she did what, everybody? She kept coming to him with the plea. She kept worrying him. Grant me justice. Underline that word. Highlight that word, justice. Ah, not mercy, but grant me justice. Grant me justice against who, everybody? My adversary. Verse 4, for some time he refused her. But finally, somebody shout finally. He said to himself, and I love this, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, (laughs) I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually Come and attack me. The verse six says, and the Lord said, very clear, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about, there goes that word again, what everybody? Justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. The Bible says, will he keep putting them off? Verse 8 says, I tell you. I love when he says that. I think the King James Version says, verily I say unto you. Huh? I tell you. Come on, here here comes some power right now. He will see that they get justice. And how will they get it, everybody? And quickly, however, when, here's the condition, here's the condition. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Uh, The title of my subject today is The Gospel According to Rocky Balboa. The Gospel According to Rocky Balboa. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're not here to play with the Bible. We ain't here to play with the word to entertain. But we do want to illustrate what you are trying to say to us about praying and never giving up. Father, many of us have given up on some stuff. And if we're honest today, we need to admit that we stopped praying about some things because we did not see the evidences of your hand. And many of us have accepted dysfunction. We have accepted our situation. And we have, we have essentially stopped praying. We have stopped laying this thing before you. But the word to us today 
is don't stop praying. Don't ever stop. And don't you get tired of bringing your request to me. Oh, Father, right now, I pray that this word will somehow find a resting place in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you just shake your neighbor's hand beside you and say, let's get this word together. Let's get it together. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. That's your accountability partner now. Amen. So if they fall asleep, y'all just made a pact. You just, uh, you know, just give them a spiritual elbow. Amen. And just tell them, come on with me. Uh, the gospel according to Rocky Balboa. Ellen White says in the book, Early Writings, page 74. I want everyone to hear this. She says this, the Lord showed her in vision. She says, I asked the angel in the last days, she says, I asked the angel why there was no more faith. As she saw the end of time, she says, where is the faith amongst God's people? I, can't, I cannot find it. And, she, and the statement says, she asked the angel, where is the faith and where is the power in Israel wrong? And this is what the angel said to her. You have no faith because you let go of the arm of the Lord too soon. The angel continued to her and said, press your petitions. Somebody say press. Press your petitions to the throne. The angel is giving us Holy Ghost celestial counsel. I, I, in other words, I live with God. I know how he operates. I've seen what goes on in the throne room of heaven. And I've seen that there are prayers answered and that there are those that are not. And it basically boils down to people giving up and not remaining persistent in prayer. He says they let go of the arm of the Lord too soon. They do not believe that they shall receive the things that they ask for. And thus I want to talk to you today about simply being not just a person who prays, but being a man or a woman of prayer. Prayer is out of style. Prayer is not cool. Prayer is, I mean, you don't hear anybody writing the latest books on prayer or, or really even the power of prayer. We have, we have come to a place in our culture now where really, let's just be honest, we have set ourselves up to be answering our own prayers. We don't really believe anything from God, you know, to just, that's just out of our minds, out, out of our league. We, we really have gotten to a place where if we can't see it, we won't even pray for it. The Bible actually says that the Lord wants to do exceedingly. He wants to do abundantly. He wants to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. If you dwell in the realm of reality and do not consecrate your mind to dwell in the realm of the heavenly, you will get to a point where you settle for anything. You settle for anything. And many of us, like myself, and I'm just being honest, there are some things. The Lord recently just revived my wife to pray about a particular person that we had stopped praying for. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't take a vote and say, you know what, we're going to stop praying about it. But subconsciously, we had gotten to a place where we did not see any evidence. And so we just kind of, it was out of sight, out of mind. We, we gave up praying too soon. And this microwave generation, and this, if you click it, it'll come up generation we are not the kind of people that like to wait. Come on, talk to me in here now. And some of y'all crazy. I done drove behind some of you. I'm trying to figure out, we're not even in New York City. We ain't in New York City. Ain't no traffic here. I don't care what time you go home from work, what interstate you are. You ain't seen traffic up in Cleveland. Ain't no traffic up in here. Come on in here. Ain't not no for real traffic. Where you sit in traffic for an hour. You don't take nobody up in here an hour to get home unless there was an accident. Come on in here, somebody. But even in Cleveland, a place like here, we're so impatient, right? I mean, I mean, I'm at the stop, I'm at the stoplight. And you know, I mean, it ain't, it ain't take but two seconds. And they, and the light turned green. And they're already blowing their horn. I'm saying, man, give me a chance to move my foot from my brake to the accelerator. Come on, talk to me in here sometime. I mean, we're an impatient people. We just, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just not, we're not in a waiting, we're not in a waiting mindset. Many of us want what we want, and we want it now. And we don't want to wait on nobody for it. We're not patient enough to, to agonize for God on it. And this thing begins to bleed over in our prayer lives. And here's the thing. God only moves in one way. 
He moves in the power of prayer. And what I'm saying is this. God does not work independent of prayer. And there are some things that God does not give us immediately because he wants us to labor in prayer. He wants us to remain persistent with him in prayer. And I got to say this now. It's not because God is trying takes get some pleasure out of seeing us agonize. Many of us see God as angry and like, if you're going to get this blessing, I ain't going I ain't going to give you this until you agonize for 30 years. That's how many of us see God. We see God like, like, I'll bless you when you act good enough. I'll bless you when you're worthy enough. And so there are many of us who don't even, hmm, we don't even ask for some stuff because we don't even think we're worthy to get it. Come on, talk to me in here. Tell the truth. There's some stuff that we have on our minds that we've not even laid before God because we don't feel that we're worthy to even ask him for it. And a lot of this comes from false teaching in the church that God will only bless you if you're right. But guess what? If you had to be right to be blessed, you'd be dead. Come on in here. Listen, if you had to be right to be blessed, some of you right now think God is punishing you. Let me help you out. If God punished you, you'd be dead. There's only one punishment for your sin, and that's death. The only thing that many of us are experiencing is either consequences or God simply trying to develop our faith. See, your faith cannot be developed in a microwave. You can't put your your faith in in a processor or operating system and click a button and have faith. And, And I like what Elder Cox says. Many of us have settled for mustard seed faith. When the Bible says, if you have this of mustard seed faith, it didn't say, I want you to have faith the size of a mustard seed. It says, if you even had just a little bit of faith like that, Sister Billups, he says, then you would even move a mountain if you just had just a little bit of faith. But let's be honest. We don't even feel like we're worthy to ask God for stuff. Some of most of the stuff you pray for, you, the stuff you're praying for, you can answer yourself. Tell the truth. I don't even know why you're giving it to God. God, help me to be nice. You don't need God to help you to do that. For certain folk, come on here, sir. Why, why are you praying for niceness? Why don't you pray for the Holy Ghost? Why don't you pray to help him to love your enemies? Come on in here, somebody. In other words, we are, we are, so, we are so faithless that it even affects our prayer lives. And here's, here's the biggest evidence that one does not have faith. That they stop persisting in, 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 in rushing the throne room of God. So I want to talk for a little bit about Rocky Balboa, and I want to talk about myself. I want to talk about Steve Urkel. I want to just talk about a bunch of crazy stuff. One of the things I've discovered, um, this is my short life, is that successful people all have one thing in common. It's not that they're the smartest, not that they're the wisest. They got one thing in common. They just persist. And so I'm just going to throw some stuff out here. Everybody heard of Thomas Edison right now, right? You see those light bulbs right there? That light bulb is a result of a thousand fails. He failed a thousand times. Come on in here. Listen, I'm beyond. After the third time I failed, I would have gave up. I'd be like, ain't no sense. God does not want us to have a light bulb. <laughs> After a thousand times, he had a dream in his mind, and he kept persisting until it happened. I love what Michael Jordan says. Michael Jordan said, I missed like a thousand shots. He says, I, he says, he says, I missed a thousand shots. I lost so many games. I've done all this. But the reason why I'm successful is because I failed. Michael Jordan, the only reason why there is a Michael Jordan is because Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team. His coach said he can't ball. Wow. That's why you can't let people, <laughs> that's why you can't let people kill your dream. You can't let people kill your dream. Can you imagine if Michael Jordan believed his coach that he couldn't play no ball? Lord have mercy. Who is that guy? He clearly is not an evaluator of talent. Come on, say amen. And so Mike went in the gym. Mike started working. And, and again, I'm just simply saying, these are not people necessarily that love God. But one thing, is, one thing you'll know about successful people, they have one thing in common. They persist. This iPad that I have here, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, when he, raised, when he started the personal computer, he looked at mainframes and he said, these are too big, but I want to figure out a way how to get these mainframes on people's coffee tables. And so he came up at 20 years old. He invented the personal computer, started Apple and Macintosh, right? And so let me tell you, a few years went by. He started failing on all of his advances, failing in all his innovations. And Apple fired him. Steve Jobs eventually got his own job back at the company he started. And thus, you got iPads in your hand. You got iPhones in your hand. You got iLife, iWorks, simply because of persistence. Walt Disney. 
got fired at his first job because they said he had no innovation and he was not creative. Huh? As a matter of fact, the job that he got fired from was a subsidiary of ABC. Oh my, how the, how the turn tables turn. Now Disney owns ABC, ESPN. Come on in here, somebody. And, he, and they said, well, a, a mouse? What's a mouse going to do? Uh, Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-doo-dah. Huh? Y'all know, y'all know everything about that mouse. I don't care how old you are. That mouse has stood the test of times. And listen, he's not a godly man. He's a humanist. But simply because he persisted. We give up too easy. I told them this morning, there was a study done. I read in the book Circle Maker. They did a study on, on American children versus Japanese. And y'all know the stigma. The stigma is black kids, you know, we ain't good in math. Asian kids are. And so they gave them a test. The test was a puzzle. And in the puzzle, the whole point of the puzzle is you can't solve it. You can't solve it. We just want to test persistence. And this is what they're finding out. The reason why Asian kids do better than us in math and people from other cultures is they persist. They said the American kids stopped after six minutes and that the Asian kids stopped after 13 minutes. There's just no quitting them. Come on in here, somebody. There's no quitting them. Some of y'all vowed, I'll never drive me a foreign car. And you're driving up Lexuses. Come on in here. Lexi. Come on, say Amen. Nissan, come on in here, talk to me, somebody. Some of you who vowed, I'll never, I mean, you was all union all day. I'll never drive. And some of the same cars you driving, they got American name tags on it, was made. Come on in here. With Japanese parts, they persist. I mean, what I'm saying is this, is that the difference, and this is in the natural. We ain't even gone to the spiritual yet. We'll get there. Here's the thing. We have to learn that we are simply a blessing away from persistence, not giving up, hanging in there, not being dissuaded by obstacles. Successful people simply say this. This is not, this obstacle is not a stumbling block. It's a stepping stone. You have to even embrace failure. What is God trying to teach me by this unanswered prayer? What is God trying to teach me by this loss I experienced? What is God trying to teach me by this loss of job? Listen, when you are a believer, the word of God says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called. And when you are a believer, ain't no such thing as taking no L. You're not losing. Persistence. And so uh, before I, I, I talk about Rocky, I talk about myself. Oh, bless his name. When I was uh, 13 years old, went to a school called Pine Forge Academy. I was a freshman, ninth grade. Ran into a little light-skinned, hot yellow boy with curly hair and light eyes named Barrington Arthurs. And me and that boy hit it off. Buddies from Cleveland, Ohio, Marquita. Yeah, I said, I like this brother. And then a year later, his sister showed up. I said, I like you. But I really like her. Come on in here. <laughs> Can I talk for just a minute about how I won Shanae over? Come on in here. Will you pray with me just for one hour? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And somebody give me a ride home after this. It's the Lord. So let me, let me just tell you the story. It is the real deal. And I, I do lie about it sometimes. I, I do try. I do. I do, I do try to make myself look better than I was, but it just, uh, here, here is the love story. This is what happened. So when I was, at, when I was in Pine Forge, you know how 13-year-old boys are, and 17, 16-year-old boys, they want everybody. Amen. And my wife, somebody put in her that you don't take nothing. You just don't take any old thing from no 17-year-old boy. So I would date her and say I liked her. That, you know, listen, always be leery of the guy that says that we're best friends, but he won't take you to the next step. That's right. <laughs> be careful of the guy, careful of the guy that said we're talking for like two years. Really? Listen, that brother don't want to make no commitment. He's scared he might be losing something. So I was in that vein, and then I had the nerve to take advice from my father. My father said, boy, when you go down to Oakwood, he said, don't you go down there tied down. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he said, don't go down there tied down. He said, well, I want you to look and see all that the Lord has provided down there. <laughs> get him up. Don't get him up. And because it, my father is a man of God, and because the word of God says, honor your father and your mother, <laughs> that your days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I walked in obedience and I broke up with Shanae, 
on the, uh, now my story was the bell tower, but it, that's more elaborate, you know. But I think it was in front of Carter Hall, for those of you who know the campus. And so Sinead said to me, she said, so what's up with us? And I said, I'm chilling. <laughs> hey, baby, I repent. Listen, that was so lame. I didn't even have the courage to say, listen, I don't want to be with you right now. I'm trying to go do something. I mean, I'm really preaching to somebody and I ain't preaching to her. I mean, I'm really preaching to somebody right now who's in this situation. And I didn't even have enough courage to say to her, I was just like, I'm chilling. My wife was like, cool. For the next four years at that school, Kevin Cameron can, bear, can, can give bear witness to this. I remember I talked to Kevin about this. He, was, he helped me push me over the edge. For four years, this woman did not say a word to me. Single sisters, learn something right now. You're going to learn today. Come on, here, somebody. You're going to learn something right now. Let me tell you what you're going to learn. Sinead was not going to let me back in, and I tried. She wasn't going to let me back in until she knew I was for real. That's the bottom line. That's why I tell sisters all the time, don't be running after no man. Listen, a man is not interested unless you act like you're not interested. And so I went after, I went after, I went after her, especially my senior year. After I had sold my, my, my Royal Oaks, right, all three years, trying to be the man, trying to be, trying to be this, trying to be that. And then I realized that I was missing something real good. I never shall forget, I was talking to Kevin Cameron. We were standing right in front of Green Hall. And I was like, dude, what should I do? And your boy was like, you got to do what's in your heart to do. You got to do what's in your heart to do. And so I went back after Sinead with everything that was in me. And let me tell you what this sister did. Like the judge in the Bible that neither feared God nor man. For about two months, she, she resisted everything I poured out. Now listen, that, listen, brothers, let me tell you something. You know you love somebody when you do stuff you ain't never done before. I'm knocking on her door, I'm calling her, and she ain't giving me no love whatsoever, none. Holding out on your boy totally, not showing me any indication that she was interested in me. She straight up dissed me for two months. But oh, here it is, here it is. But I had a sense inside of me that she still loved me. And this is why I kept pressing and I kept being persistent. If I never thought that I could get her back, I would have given up. But there was, and I don't know what it was. Uh, I remember she wrote me a letter one time and I was away at camp and it was the weirdest thing. It just came out of the blue. She wrote a letter. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't nothing special. It was just kind of what she was doing. And at the end of the letter, there were three periods. You know what that means, right? That's an ellipsis. You know what an ellipsis means? It means to be continued. And listen, when I saw that, I was like a hound. Listen, no matter, listen, no matter what, I'm going somewhere. No matter what she showed me, she was acting mean. I ain't think she loved the Lord. I'm telling the truth. I said, I will not stop until I get her. And I remember that blessed day when she finally opened up her apartment door and let me in. And I got down on my knees and I begged her to let me back and bless your heart. We stand here today with two kids later, 12 years on Monday. I said 12 years on Monday. Yeah, Lord. Yes, sir. Now, 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 here. Why am I telling this story? It's not to entertain you. There are two sides of this coin that we are learning a, a, a point about persistence. Understand this. From my wife's side, she represents God. One of the reasons why God doesn't give us what we want when we want it is just God's trying to see how for real we are. And I didn't get Sinead's attention until I went two months, two months for real, sold out, hardcore, writing letters. Come on in here, somebody. Doing anything I could to show her I was for real. She did not let me back in until she knew that I was for real. And here's the thing with God. One of the reasons why God hangs out our prayer requests and he does not give us what we want right away is because he's trying to test us to see if we're for real. You'll know that you're for real about something when you will not give up on that thing. Come on in here, somebody. And that's why I come against the spirit of giving up on some of our children. There's some of you in here right now. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, I'm done with my son. I could not believe that that could come out of their mouths when God has even declared that he has not given up on you. When you know that you can get something, you will not give up. You will persist. You will be like a dog and you will not rest day nor night until you have what belongs to you. 
Y'all remember Steve Urkel? I'm just setting it up. Oh, come on in here. I know y'all watch Martin, so I know you watch Steve Urkel too. He likes Lara, right? One thing about Steve Urkel is he had no chance. Come on, did he have any chance? He's the nerd of nerds. You're looking at this brother and say, this guy has no chance to get with Laura, right? What's the name of the show? Was it Family Matters? He had no chance of getting with her. And we laughed at Steve Urkel. We still laugh at him today and say, why are you even trying to get with her? But how many know after at the end of that show, at the end of the show, in the final season, he finally got Laura. You know why? He just wore her down. And let me tell you, it's not just wearing somebody down, but when you are persistent, it is a sign of character. Oh, y'all not hearing me right now. It is a rep. See, people that give up show they have no character. People that fight for something. Come on in here. This is why we talk of MLK. And, and this is why we talk of those civil rights struggles. The reason why they fought to the death for this thing is because they believed that they could obtain it. They had dreams. They believed that God had promised it to them. And when you see what God shows you, you ought not ever give up until you have obtained what God has promised. You let go of the arm of the Lord too soon. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell them, don't give up. So last but not least, one of my favorite movies of all time, Rocky. You know about Rocky? All right. Now, Rocky should have been getting his behind kicked too. To this day, I don't understand how there's like Rocky 7. He was all, the reason why people love Rocky is because Rocky was an underdog. The Italian stallion. He would get in the ring with Apollo Creed. And Apollo Creed was a knockout machine, but somehow Rocky, you know, the music start playing. How huh? I, mean, I love movies, man. I mean, Rocky's getting his behind whip. I mean, for like 20 rounds, right? I mean, he's just getting his butt whipped, but as soon as the music comes on, all of a sudden he gains strength. <laughs> this guy right here. <laughs> I remember that song, The Eye of the Tiger. I mean, to this day, when I work out, I love to hear that song. It just gives you motivation. Hey, if Rocky can do it, I can do it, right? And so Rocky's main thing, the whole point of the show was this, that you had an undersized, not so fast, white boy going up against big, giant Russians. Rocky V is my favorite of all time. When he went against Ivan Drago. And they show Rocky out there in the Siberia somewhere, and he's working out. Come on in here. He's sweating them. The sweat is all over his muscles. And, and he doesn't have all the technology like Ivan Drago does because he's got the Russian government behind him. And they show Ivan Drago getting steroids pumped in his system, and he's tearing off people's heads. And I mean, he's just, just this imposing figure. And all they show is Rocky just grinding it out, running up hills in the snow. I mean, carry. I mean, just, I mean, it is, should be a loss. But Rocky always would win because Rocky never gave up. That's it. And here's what I want to say to you right now. I think we can learn something from my experience, from Steve Urkel, and from Rocky the movie. Yeah, that's right. The Holy Ghost trying to talk to you through a movie. And what he's trying to tell some of you is, is that one of the reasons why you do not obtain the blessing of the Lord is, first of all, you don't believe that you deserve it. Secondly, you give up too soon. You think because of what you've done, God is not going to answer your prayer. Help me, Holy Spirit, today. I'm a living witness that I have not done it the right way. And there's some things that I've prayed for. I remember David got down on his knees after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Bless the Lord. After he had sinned and the Lord told him, your child is going to die. But even David, he was notwithstanding the word of the Lord. He got down on his face and began to fast and pray and said, Lord, have mercy. God is attractive to weakness, but he is also attracted to persistence. People that grind it out. People that tough it out. People that pray it through. People that ignore what people say. Come on in here, somebody. I believe Hannah is an example of somebody that grinded it out. Huh? 
when Hannah, Hannah had been barren. Come on in here. And she's living in a house with a man of God that has another wife. And that woman is getting all penina, is getting all in Hannah's face every day. Talking about, you don't deserve to have no children. And you'll never have any children. And you'll never be more special than I am. But the Bible says that Hannah would keep on pressing to the temple. And she would keep on praying. And she would keep on claiming. And she would keep on believing. And so after a while, once God saw that she was for real, then God put in her womb a boy that became a man of God. We have to learn how to pray and never get tired. And so the Lord gives us a biblical example that we're going to look at real quick and sit down. I love it. The context of this passage is the last days. Now this, this, open your eyes and hear the preacher. If you read Luke 17, Richard, the context of it is Jesus is coming. Uh, notice, what, notice what Timothy, uh, what, what Timothy says. Uh, uh, he says, in the last days, he says, uh, there will be, uh, he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Uh, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, ob- abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's the worst thing of them all in the last days. They, they, the Bible says, it says they have the form of godliness, but they've got no power. And this is why the angel of the Lord looked down in the last days and says, I cannot understand. Ellen said, I cannot understand. Where is the faith? Where is the power in Israel? The reason there is no faith and power in the church is because God's people don't know how to pray through. If we got credit for all the times we came to church, there would be, I mean, there would be, I mean, there would Pentecost would fall. But why hasn't Pentecost fallen and we come to church all the time? You know why? Because Pentecost ain't predicated on you sitting up in church with your suit and your tie on. Pentecost is predicated on people that know how to pray through. Pray through your struggling marriage and pray through your children that are doing everything they know under God. Pray through your job situation and pray through your sickness and pray through your struggle and pray through what the devil is trying to do in your life. What God says and I wish they would just hold on a little while longer and not let go of my hand. We're wimps. Talk to me in here. I said, talk to me in here. We're scared. We are wimpy. And the minute we see one sign of resistance, we throw in the towel. But God, please raise up in me and raise up in this church and raise up in this generation some folks who got a pit bull spirit. Ah, they're going to fight and hold on until the blessing comes. Oh, I wish we had a church that knew how to pray through. So Jesus said, let me show you what I'm talking about. He said, there are two people. Listen to me. One is a judge who doesn't love God. (laughs) You're dead. I mean, he doesn't love God, and he doesn't care what people think. Oh, that's a terrible combination. And he's an elected official who don't care about God, and he don't care what people think. We're dead in the water. Most people wouldn't even go to court. Yet there's a widow, second character. A widow. This blows my mind. In those days, a woman was not even supposed to go to court. The only way a woman should show up at court is if her husband was going on her behalf. A woman couldn't even put a petition in Marquita to go to court. So what this woman did was out of protocol. The Bible says, the rule says, you don't come. The woman said, I don't care what the rules are. I deserve justice. Now, let me tell you something right here. There is a difference between justice and mercy. Mercy is asking God for what you don't deserve, and how many know he'll give you that too? How many are sitting on the blessings of God that you know you don't got? How many know that you got no, you don't got no right to have what you have, to be where you are, to do what you're doing? How many know the only reason why you are where you are is because of the mercy of God? Well, see, justice is something entirely different. I believe Trayvon Martin's parents, Pastor Coxham, understand what justice is. Justice is you shot my son. 
I don't care what your reason was. You shot my boy and you walk away and get your gun back. I don't care who you are. That ain't justice. That's a misrepresentation of justice. It ain't justice when a football player kills a few dogs and does two years in prison. And then you got a man who shoots a 17 year old boy in cold blood. He ain't a cop. He ain't nothing. And they get away with it. That ain't justice. Call it justice when a woman shoots her gun in the air. She's being abused by her husband. She wants to stand her ground. And she just fires a warning shot. And she got to do 20 years. Ain't no justice in that. Talk to me in here, black people. Ain't no justice in that. And I'm telling you right now, and this is what Christians must come to the realization of. And I believe we should fight for justice. I believe we should persevere for justice. I believe we ought to push, pray until something happens, until we see justice. But we ain't going to never see no real justice so long as we're living down here. Please forgive me, my my conspiratory mind. There are so many things. I was talking to one of our members today. I'll leave nameless. And she was telling me about how her her son had the same situation and is in prison right now doing 20 years. You know how many people in jail ain't done nothing? Because there are people in high places who have power and they neither fear God nor man. And we up here complaining because we don't got because we don't got Internet service. And you got people in jail and they ain't done nothing wrong. I was just watching the documentary the other day about the Central Park Five. Those black boys in New York City in, in uh, what, what was it? Uh, 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 what's the name of the park over there? Central Park. Central park. They weren't even in the same location where this white woman was raped. And then after how many years was it, baby? After about nine to ten years, somebody finally came out and confessed that they did it. They didn't have a cross. They didn't have, they didn't have evidence. They just said they're black and we're going to throw them in jail. Because you have people who neither fear God nor like people. And so you're saying to yourself, we can't. I love, oh, I'm about to shout. Oh, yes, I am. See, you can, you can do all you want to try to get justice down here. And you might get it. Chances are you won't. But see, the problem is, is you're pushing to the wrong person to get justice. <laughs> oh, y'all not hearing me in here. Come on in here, somebody. See, the point of the story is this. The point of it's a contrast. The point is this. It says that the woman kept 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 bothering. Uh, One scholar says, John, that she would even go to his house. She would follow him home and say, when you're going to give me justice? And and after a year went by, she started following him everywhere. When you're going to give me justice? And she would holler in the the community. When you're going to give me justice? When you're going to give me justice for my adversary? And she had gotten to a place where everywhere he went, she was. She was at court. It wasn't even her court date. When you going to give me justice? When, her, when his work day was over and he had his briefcase in his hand. I'll hold your briefcase. But you going to give me justice. Everywhere he went, she said, I ain't going nowhere until I get what belongs. There's some things we pray for and we ought to believe that we receive them because God has promised them. Y'all not understanding me in here. When I say, see, most of y'all pray stuff and it's a, it's a toss up, but, but learn to pray the word of God. There are some things God cannot go back on his word. You put God in a corner, not like you have to, but just for illustrative purposes, you put him in a corner and you begin to tell God, you said no weapon formed against me. Shall be able to. You said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You said, all things work together for good. I stand on what you said. I ask for justice. Well, well, watch this. This is how I got Rocky out of it. I, I think crazy sometimes. The text says, well, let me read it. Let's go there. Go to Luke 18 so I can get out of your way. The text says, verse 4, for some time he refused and he ain't even converted. He don't even know God. Huh? But a homeboy had to give up after a while. He finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, 
Yeah, because this widow keeps bothering me. <laughs> I will see. He said, I, I ain't going to send nobody to do it. I'm going to go down to the office myself and file the paperwork. Because I'm tired of her following me. I'm tired of her coming up in my courtroom, disturbing court. How many times have I thrown her in jail for contempt of court and she keeps on coming back? He said, I, I'm sick and tired of her bothering me. And here's the word, here's the word, here's the word that got me. He says, yeah, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she eventually won't come and attack me. What does your Bible say? Give me a King James Version. What is the word for attack there? That she won't keep on doing what? Wearying me. Yeah, the, the word weary in the Greek is a boxing terminology for putting a black eye on somebody. I ain't making this up. It's, it's the idea of leaving a mark when you done went to war with somebody. <laughs> Your boy said, look, she's wearing me out. I done gone 12, 12 to 20 rounds with her and I've tried to fight her back with my resistance. I've tried to discourage her from coming. I've tried to get in her head and tell her that I would never work this thing out for her. But year after year, month after month, hour after hour, day after day, minute after minute, she just won't stop bothering me. I almost feel like she put a black eye on me. He says, if I don't give her justice, she's going to kick my butt. Some of y'all are missing this right now. Do you pray like that? No, let's, come on, talk to me, saints. Do you, and listen now, we're not saying you can't put bodily harm on God. Come on in here. And notice the point of this parable is a contrast. It's not a comparison. In other words, please, please follow me. Don't miss this because if you don't understand the theology, you won't even pray right. Here's the context. He's saying if a, if a judge that don't know God will give her what she asked for, then what about me in contrast? He says, I love, I'm, not only do I can't love God, I am God. I am God and I love you. And one of the reasons why many of us do not pray through is because we do not trust God. Oh, tell it to you, you don't really believe God is for you. You don't really see God as the lover of your soul. You don't really see God as the one who is waiting literally right now to bestow blessings upon you. You still think God's holding a grudge against you for something you did 30 years ago. Listen, God, please help me to preach this, Lord. That's not how God is. Oh, now help me to paint the picture. The Bible says, he that did not spare his only son. Remember now, the scripture says, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, Jay. Y'all not hearing me. Listen, please don't miss this. He says, I gave you the greatest blessing ever when you was living in hell. You didn't even ask for my gift of grace. You didn't have sense enough to call on my name. And even when you repented, it wasn't repentance that came from you. My spirit, my goodness caused you to repent. He says, I gave you the greatest gift that can ever be given when you was deep in your sin. He that that, that did not spare his own son. Here it is. Why will he not? Give to us all things. Did you just catch what I just told you? Oh, Lord, have mercy. When I ask my wife for something, I'm asking somebody that knows that I know loves me. Your marriage is jacked up. If you up there, well, I don't know if I want to ask him. Uh, I ain't sure if this is something I want to bring. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I mean, I, I didn't mean to say it like that. There, there. Because I'm just saying like this. We, we ain't always been there either, amen? We ain't always been there either. But what I'm saying is, is you know that you are growing. Here's a better way to say it. You know that you are growing in your trust and love relationship. When you can talk to her about anything. I can talk to her about anything. Anything. 
Oh, y'all, y'all are praying with me. Listen, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you how I can talk to you about anything. We in the mall. Somebody walks by and they're good looking. I love our relationship because she ain't going to sit there and just pretend like she ain't see her. Listen, now let's just be honest. Listen, I love the Lord. I'm saved and I ain't blind. I saw what just passed in front of me. And listen, I don't, listen we ain't going to over-spiritualize it. Like my wife is a, the only woman in the world that's just beautiful and nobody else even catches my attention. I'm just going to help all the brothers in here right now that have always wanted to say this, but you cannot. That's a lie. But see, I like our relationship because my wife is like, you think she's cute, don't you? And then, uh, you got me. You got me. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Huh? Ain't no need to look back three times and all that stuff. You know why? Because we have the openness of relationship. And so same thing with her. When she wants to come to me, we're open to each other because we know at the end of the day, she really means me well. She really wants to take care of me. I know. Listen, I know y'all love me, but nobody loves me in this room like Sinead does. At the end of the day, Sinead will cut somebody in here if they act the wrong way around me. I know my wife has my back. So here's the point I'm trying to make. Here's the point I'm trying to make. That when I go and ask things for her and from her, I'm not afraid of her answer because I know the answer is going to be for my only good. I know that she loves me. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, This is why many of us don't pray right. Because you honestly do not really believe that God loves you. You still think God's holding something against you that you have done. And he just don't act like that. Oh, I wish, I just don't, I'm not, I don't have the homiletical ability, I don't have the eloquence to be able to paint this picture for you, but your God, your God literally is standing here right now, and he is waiting to bless you with all the mess in your life. Please believe me when I'm telling you, if he did not spare his only son, why won't he give you all things? And so this is why this widow was a rebuke to us. Because she knew that the judge didn't like her. And she didn't give a flying flip. I don't care. I can say, oh, girl, and I'll be here tomorrow. Oh, for real? See you on Thursday. Really? See you next week. Yeah, I'll be at your house too. Because I ain't leaving. I'm not leaving. Until I get what belongs to me. Tell the truth. Tell us. Let's tell the truth. Same the devil. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for all your many blessings. Thank you for your loving kindness and tender mercy towards us. And uh, just bless me. What, what does that mean? It's uh, just bless me, just bless my children, and just bless my marriage. And, and bless, listen, 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 listen. You playing with? You playing with it? You playing with it? You got to get ugly with that thing. Come on in here. You got to tell them everything. Come on in here. But see, many of us, we're timid around God because somebody told us that he sits up high and he looks down low and he is ready to judge the the living and the dead. Listen, you are talking about the the epitome of love is in heaven. That's right. The epitome of it is in heaven. You ought to be, the Bible says you ought to be coming boldly. It didn't say, it didn't say perfect people come boldly. It says come boldly in the name of Jesus. Save my marriage. Well, that's day one. And the marriage got worse on day two. So you come back day three. In the name of Jesus, save. 20 years done gone by. And he still hadn't joined the church. And so you're feeling a little funny now. Maybe it's not God's will. Maybe he's going to save him on his deathbed. And you know, you start convincing yourself of all this. But see, the widow wouldn't have done that. The widow would have said, oh, my blessing's coming. Oh, it's on the way. It's just not my time yet. And he wants to hear from me, so I'm going to stay in his face. And 20 years later, you keep on praying, and you keep on asking, and you keep on striving, and you keep on claiming. 
that kind of prayer. Well, this is just what we're supposed to have. It's all God can do. It's his will. And then at the end of the text, as I close, here's the condition. He says, all I've said, he says, will the son of man find some faith? There are some of you right now. Get ready. Get ready, my brother. There are some of you right now who are struggling with a sin. And for real, you've fallen so much to it that you don't even think you can stop. And you don't even convince yourself you're going to go to heaven in that mess. And the devil, be straight. I'm sorry, I have no other way to say this. Please don't be offended by this. The devil punks us. He stands in our faces. He's the adversary. The adversary in the text is the one that says, you ain't going to get it. You don't deserve to get it. God ain't going to give it to you. Why don't you stop praying? Why don't you stop fasting? Why don't you stop believing? Just give up. Just take what you can get. This is just your reality. This is the way it's going to be. This is your normal. And, and, and all of this is because of what you've done. See, God is trying to pay you back. You don't have no right to ask God. You better tell the devil to shut his mouth. And tell his butt to go to hell where he belongs. And you remind him of what God has already said. You were taught to, oh, Father, if, if you want to. If it's okay, I just kind of want to ask that you would get me through the day. And then when you get home, thank you, Lord, that I made it safely because I know you were wanting to kill me. Because of all, no, 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 no. He says, I'm not that judge. I actually am the opposite upon opposite upon opposite of him. I actually want to bless you. Next week, I'm going to talk about Balaam and unanswered prayer. But here's the thing. Ain't really no such thing as unanswered prayer. Last thing I'm going to tell you. And I told this to morning service last week. My dad um, and my mom we used to run game on them when we were kids. And I know none of your kids did that to you because you just, you just saw everything coming. But I would go to my mom and be like, can I have for breakfast this morning some Reese's Pieces and milk? What? I mean, for real, we would ask dumb stuff like that. Can I have some now ladies for breakfast? You know, just, you know, kids, stupid. Give me some donuts and some cake for breakfast this morning. And so my mom would be like, and so sometimes the requests would be so dumb. She would be like, boy, go ask your father. So I go to my dad and I'd be like, hey, dad, uh, mom said, told me to come ask you if I can have some Reese's Pieces and milk. I want to try it. I'm kind of like my daughter. I mean, I used, to, I, used to, I used to try to cook back, and even when I was a kid, I've always loved cooking, always loved food, and I would try stuff, and I'd say, hey, man, if cereal is good in milk, then candy, man, that, that might be awesome. Dad, can I have that for breakfast? And, and my dad would just be like, no, son, I got something else in mind for you. And then I'm mad. But then he goes in the kitchen, and, you know, it's interesting I got this, because he would always take a towel, put it over his shoulder. He would go in that freezer, he'd take out flounder and tilapia, and he would let it thaw. Amen. Amen. And he would take Old Bay seasoning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he would, you know, let it marinate, huh? His breakfast. That's right. See, That's I, right. I wanted milk and Reese's pieces. <laughs> but he wanted 
Come on now, y'all here. That's right. That's right. And so my dad would turn on music. I ain't gonna tell you what he was listening to. But it was James Brown. And my father would be, you know, moving. He, he could cut the rug. And he'd be moving and preparing the fish. And uh, while he's preparing the fish, then he goes and he makes his cheddar grits. Huh? And listen, look, listen, you know, as I think back on it, you know, this meal wasn't more healthy than my Skittles, but it, I mean, it just, it just appeared that way. Amen. And so he would take cheddar, amen, and he would take uh, half and half, huh, butter. And look, if you get the grits right, you got to, it's low, it's low and slow. And low and slow, he's got grits working, huh? And while the fish is over there marinating in the old bay, he then comes in. He wouldn't buy boxes of, of cornmeal and put, you know, some pre. He'd make his own, and paprika would go in there, and, and, and seasoning salt, and pepper, and, and he's just making the fish. And then we, this is our thing, he would make greens as well. And, and with the greens, there'd be pancakes too. And he, what he was doing, he was trying to put together a full scale brunch. But all I wanted was milk. So listen, 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 even when we are pressing God and it looks God, God like God is not answering, he's actually working on something. He's working on something better than you could ever ask or think. You've been praying for that woman and the Lord had not given her to you. The Lord's been telling you, not that one. That's because you don't know, my brother. God's been working on your wife. That's better. Come on in here. Sister, you have been struggling and staying in a broke down relationship. And God has told you not this one because he had something better. You want your son to come back to Christ tomorrow. But God says, no, I'm going to do it in grand fashion. When he comes back, I'm going to be so, I'm going to have worked so strong in his life that not only will he come back to church, but he ain't going to sit down like you do every week. When he comes back, he's going to preach my word. When he comes back, he's going to be an evangelist. When he comes back, souls will come unto the Lord because I'm working on something better. Somebody shout better. I'm working on something better than you can ever ask or think. But you've got to learn how to trust that God has your best interest at heart. How many know in here that God has your back? This ain't prosperity. So it makes some people uncomfortable to even ask for stuff. It ain't the Lord's will to give us everything we ask for. I know that. But guess what? If you want 100% of your prayers unanswered, don't pray. How's that batting average? <laughs> but if you want to get some prayers answered, right. we have not. Yes. Father, right now, right now, we are a generation of preaching, praise, concerts, entertainment, television, Microwave ovens, iPods, iPads, fast cars. But we're not a generation of prayer. And that's why we only dwell in the natural and only have natural stuff. God, you're trying to take us into supernatural realms, but we have to learn how to fight spirit with spirit. And you are calling us to be men and women of prayer. I don't know what you're going to have to do to get families to have worship. What are you going to do, God, to get that husband to get up early in the morning before his wife gets up and to make his request known unto God? Yeah. Father, what are you going to have to do to get that woman to stop complaining and gossiping and bemoaning everything that happens to her and get her to see that she's better at just telling God and that God is actually ready to answer her prayer? When are you going to show that young person, Father, that prayer is not for old people? Prayer is not for when you get spiritual. Prayer is when you need an answer from God. Oh, Lord, raise up in this church 
not a prayer ministry, but a praying church. Will the Son of Man find faith in the earth? My first appeal right now is I want to call every young black male down here right now.